Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, Ghostbusters fans, and welcome to the Interdimensional Crossrip Podcast, the first one of 2020. That's right, this is for the week of January 13th, 2020. This week on the show, we're reintroducing ourselves. If this is uh, your first time to the podcast or you just joined us shortly, uh, Chris and I are going to give you a little bit of uh, info about ourselves. Also, uh, QuickBooks, Janine Melnitz is back. We've got some Ghostbusters Afterlife news, and Troy got a really weird Christmas present. Stay tuned. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keypad? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! New Year, New Year, who dis? New Year, who dis? Uh, all right. Well, before we get too far, I got to tell you about my Christmas present. I was gonna say, give me some warning on this one, unless oh, you wanted God. me to go in cold on it. No. All right. So, I, I should have taken a photo and sent it to you before I try to explain this. But um, apparently, my parents went to uh, Mexico. They went on a, a little a vacation, uh, right. and at some t-shirt shop or booth or table or something, somewhere along the way, they found a Ghostbusters shirt. Oh boy. Uh, and decided to buy it for me because, you know, I'm a Ghostbusters fan, obviously. Um, I, I've been trying to find, because I, I, I kind of also want to point this this shirt out to, like, maybe Ghost Core or maybe Sony <laughs> Consumer Products, because they're they're profiting off of it. But So it is a, it's a Ghostbusters 35th anniversary shirt, and it's uh-huh. the, the key art of the three guys, you know, just like that, that first uh, poster. Right. Um, and then with the 35th anniversary in, I'm wearing it so that I can describe it. Um, kind of like, maybe like the Star Trek: The Next Generation font. Possibly. Okay. That's the only the only font that I can kind of make that's comparable of it. Um, and then underneath it has one, two, three, four. It has five signatures, like replica signatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is Bill Murray. And it's pretty obvious the signature says Bill Murray. And then the little, like, uh, caption they put under it says Bill Murray. The second one is Dan Aykroyd. It's definitely Dan Aykroyd. For anybody who has a Crystal Head Vodka, they've seen his signature. Uh, But they couldn't decipher Dan, so it just says Aykroyd on the caption. Uh, the, The third one, I haven't been able to figure out whose signature this is. I'm thinking it, it, I mean... To my eye, it looks like Paul Schaefer's signature for some weird reason. Um, wow. But the caption underneath it says Peter Venkman. Um, okay. You know, because Peter Venkman signed signed this shirt. Of course, yeah. Uh, and then the bottom two are the ones that are the best. The bottom has Richard Edlin's signature. And uh, the caption underneath it says Raymond Stans. Uh, and then... Uh, the final signature on here is Mr. Ernie Hudson's, 
and the caption underneath it says Egon Spangler. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. It was when I first got it I was like, "Oh, mom, dad, this shirt's great. Thanks. Oh, I love it. No, I'm totally going to wear it. It'll be a great pajama shirt or whatever." And then upon further inspection, it has become my favorite Ghostbusters shirt now because it there are so many weird things that are wrong with it that it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a photo, uh, and then I also need your opinion because I got to figure out who the Peter Venkman signature is because I can't figure oh, that sure. one out. Oh sure, well send it to me so it's, I can. It's definitely the first letter is a P. I thought it uh, at first I thought maybe it do was Ivan it right Reitman. Now? Send it to me and I'll, I'll palm yeah, it. Yeah, all right, here we go. I'll do it. Uh, let's see. Hold on. All it's right. upside down. It's with what is this? All right, here we go. Here comes the selfie. Go. Send this to you now. Might as well. I'll, I'll throw this up on the uh, the old CrossRip uh, social as well at some point here. But how were your uh, holidays while I take this terrible selfie? Uh, maximum dad. I got socks, underwear, the complete Rockford Files, and the complete Simon and Simon. So <laughs> it doesn't get more dad than that. <laughs> the complete Rockford Files, and what was the other one? Simon and Simon. Oh, Simon and Simon. Oh man, Simon and Simon. I and love that show. Thing. Oh, uh, I got the um, Shout Factory's uh, limited edition Steelbook Blu-ray for uh, the, the Thing. Oh, nice. How is that? I've I haven't watched it yet, but the the Thing is beautiful. Uh, I got an Amazon card too, which I immediately then applied to the recently released. Uh, Shout Factory limited edition steel book uh, Blu-ray of uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, Man, so that Shout goes Factory's nicely. Killing with, it goes nicely with my uh, <laughs> same edition of Prince of Darkness and same edition of uh, Halloween Three, which oh. is sort of a John Carpenter. But I have a, anyways. Basically, I have this beautiful set of John Carpenter Blu-rays. Which it led me to, to realize that, man, a lot of my favorite movies are John Carpenter films. Yeah, and for and good not, reason, man. John yes. Carpenter movies are awesome. And not the obvious ones. I actually remember I went to, I had a, got to go to a sneak preview of um, Ghosts of Mars. I still love that movie. Oh, I haven't seen that one in a long time. I got to go back to that one. But, well, it's uh, John Carpenter, meaning yeah. it's good fun. Good fun. <laughs> everybody, everybody goes, oh, I didn't like it. It's John Carpenter. Oh, it's not Citizen Kane. Yeah. Is Uh, it a good John Carpenter movie? Yes. All John Carpenter movies are good John Carpenter movies. Well, then perfect. (laughs) Excellent. I saw the new Paul Verhoeven movie. It was was weird. (laughs) It was a Paul Verhoeven movie. The the bulk of it was me just sitting around going, oh, great. Socks and DVDs. I I mean, that's what we got a lot of gift cards. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Gift cards (laughs) for the, I mean, I know that's boring, but Yeah. um, Yeah. Had family visited. Uh, we went very low key. Our Christmas dinner was not super over the top or anything. Just nice. the fa- the easy faves. Um, you know, binged a bunch of stuff. Finished Mandalorian. Finished Stranger Things three. Stuff like that. Right. Yeah, catching so. up. I mean, it was we we were on hiatus. Uh, I was on vacation. Um, you were in the boonies. I yeah, I decided to just completely shut off, and it was well worth it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. I figured so. I kind I mean, here we are. We're uh, like ten minutes into this episode. Um, but uh, I kind of figured this is episode six oh one. 
um, which is weird. And I feel like every time I have to explain this, this is our sixth season, our sixth year and our That's first right. episode, we kind of do this like, uh, you know, TV, TV, uh, production numbers. Yes. Um, but I, I was looking at our analytics, uh, last week, uh, coming back and, and trying to get back into the swing of things. I looked at all of our subscribers and, um, we had a surge of, uh, people who hopped on the RSS subscription train, uh, really? a ton of new listeners. Um, and so I thought, wow, all of these people are listening to you and I talk and they have no idea who we are. This is like the, the sixth year we've been doing this. We haven't had sort of an introductory episode and in quite at least a couple of years time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Hey, it's a new year. It's the year that the movie's coming out. I feel like this is as good of a time as any that you and I can kind of maybe retread some ground, um, do a little introductory, uh, you know, who, who are we? Why the hell should you listen to us? Kind of episode. Um, and, and it would also act as sort of a new, uh, a pilot, uh, for everybody. We've had a couple of people who have tweeted, uh, at us or, or sent us uh, Facebook messages that said, Hey, I'm listening to your show starting with all the way back in 2015. And, uh, my response has been, Oh God be with you. I those old episodes are (laughs) pretty rough, but, um, so yeah, I thought, I mean, this is kind of like a, a, a first episode, so to speak. I keep putting first in quotes. I know you were trepidatious about it on, on uh, Twitter. You were like, what does that mean? What, first what episode, does that mean? Should I be threatened? Yes, exactly. Um, but, uh, I, well, to be honest, I always approach recording with you as vaguely threatening. So <laughs> as you should know it's your place, <laughs> better safe than sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, so, um, so I thought, here's what I've got. We've got news obviously because we've been off for two weeks. Uh, there have been some things that have happened. We will definitely be talking about the QuickBooks commercials. Those are a lot of fun. We'll be talking about CES. Um, but before we do that, I thought you and I would kind of just, I prepared some speaking points for us here as to who we are and why we're fans and why we continue talking about this movie franchise after six years of hour long podcasts once a week for 52 episodes a year. Um, you know, why, why should you be listening to us? There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of stuff on social media. There's a lot of, uh, vlogs and blogs and, uh, uh, you can, you can subscribe anywhere you want to. Why should you spend your time with us? That's kind of what I was hoping here. So, uh, so first the show, what is this show? Uh, hopefully if you've been listening for the last, uh, five years, six years, you know what this show is. Uh, but you know, it's you and I, Chris have been, uh, I mean, since 95, 94, somewhere thereabouts, uh, on the internet, uh, you and I have been talking since then we have uh, yeah. been on multiple message boards, starting with Bill's Ghostbusters homepage. The conversation that you and I have on a weekly basis is the same damn conversation we've been having <laughs> It's 1995. Um, so it's not, not entirely out of the blue for the two of us to be talking about uh, Ghostbusters stuff. But um, yeah, we, we started this up right before Paul Feig's uh, Ghostbusters Answer the Call came out. Um, it, sort of coincidentally, uh, you and I had been talking about the, the podcast and then all of a sudden this new movie got announced like a month later. So it, it was kind of kind of a wild ride. Uh, yeah. to say the least. Certainly good timing at any rate. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, every week on Mondays, uh, midnight Pacific time, we put this episode up and 
nine times out of ten, it is either a news episode or some sort of a historical reference uh, episode. But we do we try to get as many interviews in, especially at the beginning of the show. We interviewed a lot of the the cast, uh, you know, cast and crew and people who have been working at like Playmobil and. Um, we're going to, we're going to be doing a whole lot more of those, uh, in 2020. So, so stay tuned for those types of interviews, but you know, it's mainly news, mainly interviews, and then uh, commentary, which you hear in the intro to the episode, but we actually do full length commentaries on films, which was totally unintentional. I meant commentary, like opinions and editorialized thoughts, but we actually literally do commentaries from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been crazy. So, I mean, Maybe Chris, do you want to take it from here? Tell me, uh, where, where might people know you from? Like, where did you first get into this franchise? And then how did you start, you know, becoming sort of a, a voice that fans either gravitate toward or listen to or subscribe to on social media or, you know, people will know me from the (laughs) FBI most wanted wall at the the post office. They know me from the Simon and Simon subreddit thread where I <laughs> from my prolific run of Simon and Simon slash fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe start start at the beginning. How did you first get into this franchise? I know you've you've told the story on the podcast before about uh, your your friend who had a uh, one of the first video discs. Right? Was that what it? Your first introduction to the to the film? Oh God, no. That's a side story. I, I met him years later and found oh. out that was kind of his his whole thing was is that the family had a, uh, a video disc uh, player at their summer homes. And so uh, Ghostbusters, uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas and one other movie they can't remember were all they had to watch during the summer. So he that's how he and I bonded, but because for two entirely different reasons, we were both able to, to like recite Ghostbusters, uh, start to finish. That's cause you had uh, seen it at the, the globe theater, right? That was <clears throat> the, no, uh, that was, the uh, it was the showcase showcase, uh, the showcase. Grand, See, I'm glad we're doing this, say? man. I have this weird sort of like foggy memory of all of our stuff here. Yeah. The showcase grand in Calgary, Alberta, which. I don't know if it's still there or not, but I saw it in 84. I saw the movie when it came, the summer it came out uh, and got to go see it at one of the older uh, cinemas. This was when the multiplexes were starting to build up in malls and stuff like that. So this was the uh, one of the original uh, big screen cinemas in Calgary. Um, and I got to see it uh, there with the family in 84. I was probably 11 or so at the time have to do the math on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just old, you know, old, you know, sits several hundred size theater, just huge, big screen, big old sound. Um, that's, that's where I first saw it. And then it was, um, oh boy, I guess just sort of, uh, I don't know. It, it kind of, it kind of resonated, but of course at the, at the other side of that movie, there wasn't a lot of stuff. So, I think the track would be the movie and then the role-playing game Mm. sort of bolstered a bit by the couple of storybooks they had and then the cartoon was coming in. But the cartoon wasn't always – I was in Canada, so 
man, I can't remember where the hell it was playing all the time, but it wasn't, it wasn't playing like it was in the States, like, you know, ABC, yeah. or whatever. It was, it was just kind of a, well, it was two years after the fact, right? So 86, yeah. uh, when that started up and yeah, I think so you, you've said a couple of times that you were a little too old for the, the real Ghostbusters when it first aired, right? That was I like, was, I watched the cartoon cause that's all there was, but I didn't get into the toys, uh, at all. Uh, but so it was kind of, like I said, just between that and the role-playing game, that's kind of what, uh, you know, VHS, I was able to watch, uh, taped copies and the video store copies. I had yeah. a friend with a beta copy on beta, watch it there sort of thing. Um, that got me to 89, which would have been last year, high school, I guess, or no, not last year, but middle of high school somewhere. So I went and saw that on my own. And then that's, it was only a few years later then that I ended up, um, you know, off to university. And that's when, uh, the only places you got accounts at that point was AOL was on the rise, but university students all got right. net right. accounts. And, uh, man, this just sounds boring every time I tell it. But anyways, um, <laughs> this is the trick history. Was, is, this is your oral record yeah. of your fandom here. Yeah. My boring oral history. My boral history. <laughs> Thank boral. you. Ah, coming uh, soon to coming Disney soon. Plus. Boral That'll, histories. There's the name of my autobiography. <laughs> my boral history. Um, so I had access to, like, I remember going on the user groups, uh, like the early predecessor yeah. to social media and message boards and all that sort of thing. I'm poking around at that. Um, and then, uh, man, it was pre-everything. Like, because at that point, uh, I was starting to get back into Ghostbusters and all. I just sort of naturally, but, you know, eBay didn't exist and stuff like that. So finding stuff online was kind of, every once in a while, I'd stumble into, like, stores that, you know, <laughs> it wasn't plug-and-play. Stores had to, like, manually create websites where they just had a list of everything they had. And you'd, like, you'd literally email them or call them up and say, how much to ship it to me and yeah, make arrangements. Just, just trying and, to find a, a copy of the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack in 91, 92. Yeah. Was a chore. No, yeah. No, no, no good way to, like, you know, it wasn't like you could run the credit card. And you were, at that point, really leery of just reading out the credit card to some dude on the phone. And just, anyways... But the big kick was at the time with websites coming together, um, man, I don't think AOL was doing it. AOL lets you get online to their, to surf and go to their boards and all that. They gave you like whatever it was, their one megabyte super of tiny, personal yeah, space okay. that you could put yeah. up, uh, you know, something, some sort of a landing page. Yeah. Yeah. But of course the universities w had more than that, right? Like it, I think it was like 20 megs or something. It was... It was, a, it was exceptional. It <laughs> That's was, all you'll ever need is 20 megabytes. A, it was a cornucopia web space. But the thing was, I didn't know how to make a website. So it's just sort of like everything else in life. It's like, well, if I'm going to learn this, because this is kind of cool, what do you do? You do stuff that, you know, keeps you interested sort of thing. So I just started a ghost. There weren't many. There was like uh, Bill Emko's uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, what was he calling his? The Ghostbusters website. Yeah, Ghostbusters homepage. Uh, the Ghostbusters Mr. homepage. Mr. Stay Puff's World of Mr. Sounds. Oh, I remember being so jealous of Bill, too, because at the time, calling it the such and such homepage meant you planted your flag first. Like, what? you were. Right. Um, 
Well, and the he funny was part one of the is, first that had Ghostbusters.com when you were finally yeah, able to get those, when. you know, vanity websites. He didn't, websites he didn't earlier. That yeah. was the funny part. Like you just kind of called it, like you'd call dibs on the name, but the URL had nothing to do with it ever really. Like, <laughs> like people were coming to my website back then and it was like ucalgary.ca slash users slash whatever, right? Like yeah. it was, and then, and then proton charging. And I was like, huh. Anyways. Um, yeah. There's very few, uh, Paul. Uh, yeah, Spook Central was one Spook of those. Spook Central was out there. Yeah. You were there. Like, I'm like, who the shit is letting tiny babies onto the internet <laughs> to do websites <laughs> with their candy-colored Macs? Oh, my God. Me, baby. Me, Me. baby. <laughs> uh, but that was it. That was uh, proton charging, which I, I actually still to this day I feel is kind of uh, clever. Um, Sony never cracked down on us, but at the time they were cracking down, uh, Paramount was cracking down on Star Trek. Right. So I was kind of like, while I could brand it Ghostbusters something or else, I suspect any day now they'll show up and say cease and desist, whereas they don't own proton charging. <laughs> so th- this now, was I'm a, 90... now I'm a search engine. I am search engine unoptimized because my name, my website name has nothing to do well, with yeah, anything that they recognize. Be, it's, but, like, uh, it's like the yes have some podcast. You got to be in the know in order to... To, exactly, to which but, is uh, fine. Uh, but then that's uh, that's that's it. That's that's at that point, it's a twenty-year run. After fifteen, so two thousand and nine. At that point, uh, with the anniversary, I just started dialing back because you know family and responsibilities, sure, were, yeah, and work and all that sort of thing. So then I basically sort of retired the site. For the longest time, I wasn't really writing articles and stuff like that anymore anyways. The time wasn't there. Switched to social media, which was way easier because I could just, you know, spit and out. And there, like, was, there was a dearth of news, too. There was no reason to. That's true, was, yeah. For the longest well, time, just there was nothing the, to be reporting on. At yeah. the, af, after the 25th anniversary, it was kind of like there was a big burst of news. And at that point, it was like, well, that'll, that'll cover it. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think I can relax now, and I think uh, at that point, uh, I mean, GB fans was still humming along, and I think Jason was just starting uh, Ghostbusters news. Uh, so at that point, it was kind of like, well, I I don't need to fill a void that's no longer a void, right? Sure, like it's, yeah, it's grown up nicely, and there's other people here that are younger and will go beyond me, which means in theory, other people will come along behind them. Great. I'll back off and just sort of dick around on social media as much. And then, of course, almost immediately, um, you know, more stuff started, like surprisingly more stuff uh, merch-wise started to come out and IDW started up with their stuff. Yeah, the video was, game was about that point in time. The video game was 2009. All yeah. that, uh, but but then, yeah, and then they announced, uh, they announced the new movie. And it's like by that point, again, it's like, well, I'm not firing up Proton Charging. It's still there, but... Uh, it just, it's basically a placeholder uh, for the off chance that maybe one day I do something with it, but, uh, I need a place to sell my, uh, uh, Chris Stewart, my Boral history. <laughs> I'll need that address <laughs> at some point. Protoncharging.com slash my Boral history. My Boral history. Uh, well, so uh, pro- the Proton yeah. Charging website right now is, is the map of, of, uh, of franchises and fan communities and stuff like that, right? Is that yeah, still which pl- is Planet Ghostbusters com- is still up there? It's completely, yeah, it's, it's, it's an archive, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's completely an archive of what came before because I don't like getting rid of stuff. Again, I'll, one of these years I'll get around to 
turning into hard copy. I had years of going, I want to make a fanzine. And then the internet came along and I went, that's way easier than a fanzine. And then I was on the internet long enough to go, I wish I'd made a fanzine because it's a physical copy and the internet eats stuff. So, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, that's the long, boring uh, well, progress. And, and so, but Proton Charging, the one thing that you kind of did when you started to deviate from the website itself is you... You you set up shop on Facebook and Twitter um, and 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 social media wise, people had been kind of relying upon you to sort of cultivate and and retweet the news and and uh, photos and and things that are submitted from the fans. Um, I think that's that's also super important because that was sort of what naturally happened is people stopped going to the websites and they started going to Facebook or they started going to yeah um, you know uh, the Twitter yeah. page. I'm trying to remember if Ghostbusters HQ had a MySpace page. I don't think so. But um, well, Jason, for example, still maintains his website, but social media is the door by which almost everybody comes through to his site. So when he writes these big long articles and he posts them to the website, more often than not, people are getting it through Twitter and Facebook yeah. and then click through to the website. So the website's great because it is a way easier websites are still very well suited to the you know, the the web journal, the web magazine format. Uh, where social media though is where everybody's hanging out and it's very easy to throw a headline and a, you know, a little taste of yeah, your little what you're talking about. Bite-sized soundbite chunks. And then they, yeah. they click through sort of thing. So his works in tandem. Mine, I just can't even be bothered to, I don't do long form. <laughs> well, that's um, that's so, why you have an hour long podcast every week that you can. Yeah. That's where I can chew over most of yeah. this stuff. Yeah. So that's, yeah. uh, that's about it. I mean, I, 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 I had, uh, a good run of, of little things there before I kind of dialed down the website. Like I was lucky enough to, uh, Sony invited me down to have a, a sneak peek at the, the first DVD for Ghostbusters they put out, which was really cool. It was in 99, I want to say. Yeah, that sounds probably about yeah. right. And then, um, um, so that was the summer of 99, I think. I got to see it a few months early and... And that was like, that was just amazing. Cause all of a sudden it was this, you know, magical disc format that was really at that point in the mainstream only for about, oh God, at that point, maybe just a couple of years. I mean, they were, and I can watch the movie with Ivan Reitman and Joe Medjuk and Harold yeah. Ramis, uh, mystery science theater right in front of me. That was the big selling point too, to that movie it was like, yeah, it's a well, commentary where you watch it with the filmmakers. Yeah. If I understand correctly, two of the, the producer and, uh, her brother did the technical stuff. Uh, she put the disc together. He did the technical stuff where he wrote the, you know, the software required to digitize the, uh, the video of their, uh, silhouettes and then turn it into bitmapped, uh, imagery, quote unquote, that would then be crammed into the, hmm. uh, where the subtitles go. Right. That's why you can't, that's why you can't watch the movie with their, uh, silhouettes. And, and it's on that, that tiny video layer that's on top on that, of the, exactly. Yeah. It's on that super tiny layer. So, so he wrote his own thing for it, which is just kind of insane. Um, well, and, and I think you just sort of tilted your hand a little bit to your professional expertise, which we rely upon uh, quite often here on the show. Uh, what, what do you do for a living for people that may not be familiar? Oh, I heard cats that make video games. 
<laughs> I think we all heard cats at this point. Yeah, mine, no, well, no, but mine specifically make video games. Uh, <laughs> I um, that was that was the overlap as I moved to where I am now, Vancouver, to go to work in video games, and it was that first year in games that one of the you know, super technical programmer guys dropped a giant pile of cash to get himself a DVD player and then wired it into one of the old, um, uh, Commodore 64 monitors. Oh yeah. Which were super awesome. Like because they I still were, have mine. I'm not going to lie. Know. Yeah. Let's put it this way. I, I ask around still to this day, 2019, almost to a T anybody who works in like, uh, television and video editing and all this sort of thing still has one lying around somewhere. It's like it was just an insanely good TV. To, like it was tiny. It was not a huge TV. Yeah, it's like a but, 12 inch, 13 inch CRT, but yeah. But but they specifically made it for use with the computer, which meant they they decided it needed way more crispness than the average television did, right? Like because, you know, if you're going to watch whatever broadcast TV is on a thing and it's all running around, you know, mushy and analog and all that who who gives a heck right yeah. but if you're gonna play like load runner or something which has very specific <laughs> pixels right. it can't be that mushy right so it had a weird christmas to it and i'm i still remember guy bought the the player brought it in put it on his desk with his uh 64 monitor and then you know fired in the uh that's probably the matrix <laughs> At that point, <laughs> it was that probably point, the Matrix. Yeah, it was either the Matrix or Dark City. It was the, one of the, the two. The Matrix, um, the first Bad Boys movie, Dark City, or something uh, like yeah. that. And it looked. And the funny part then is, to, like, this is what I like to tell people about technology and perspective and all that. Is like, I remember looking at that, going, "Oh my God, this is so crisp! I could cut myself on it." And then going back to our earlier thing, I'm I'm watching, you know, Rockford Files on DVD, going. Man, look at the size of those compression blocks. Like, it was just... Right, right, I can't see the pores on his it's, face. It's like, it's like we get so jaded so quickly. Uh, and we and at this point, it's impossible to, to even show anybody what old television looked like because, man, people aren't even watching it on old TVs anymore. You can't even, no. like, fake it and go, look at it. Yeah, how exactly. Anyways. I mean, yeah, there are other people that are watching their VHS tapes on their, uh, you know, uh, four by three uh, CRT monitors just for the the feel of what what it used to be. But uh, anyway, yeah, so uh, long and the short of it is, I, I make video games. The company is called Kerberos Productions. So if you go to Steam and search for Kerberos Productions, or uh, uh, our game of note is sort of the stars or uh, the pit, uh, it shows up, and you can see. Um, you can see our games. Uh, yeah. We fit. We wonderfully fit that uh, the the Rovio standard of make ten games, two of which will be good. <laughs> that's well, that's actually, a pretty good I, ratio, considering yeah. considering video games track records. That's a pretty good ratio. I should actually, and I shouldn't even say good. What I mean is, is two of them will take off. I, I, yeah, I, I have I have a soft spot for all of our games, and I think there's a couple that are really good that just didn't really set the world on fire and that's just kind of how it goes. Well, but anyway, that's, yeah. that's my life is I, uh, I do that. You do that. And so before I vainly turn the, the spotlight on myself, um, you know, we're five years in going into our sixth year of this podcast. What would you say is probably the standout, you know, m- memorable moment of <sighs> this crazy podcasting journey that we've been on over the past, uh, five years? I, um, it's not the most memorable moment, but I do want to give it like a, a quick note that I am very happy that in that transition from walking away from the web 
uh, and backing off from Ghostbusters online fandom way back when, I managed to actually interview quite a few people, including yeah. uh, Michael C. Gross and uh, uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters Hermit Number One, Rick Moranis, <laughs> and and actually legit talk for quite a while about Ghostbusters. Um, and at that time, no real good home. Again, streaming audio was not quite. You know, as I probably could have dumped it on YouTube or something, but even that hadn't hit its huge thing. And I, I didn't, I didn't have the time to transcribe it, so I ended up like transcribing part of the Rick Moranis one, like the the good bits. But yeah, I like that I still had it. And when we got going, I was able to just go here. Let's put it here because this is yeah, where it legit and that was probably should have been. Like right out of the gate, I think our second episode was your Rick Moranis interview, and uh, yeah. for for better or for worse, everybody's like, "Oh my God, these guys got Rick Moranis. We're gonna listen to this podcast." And then. <laughs> They're going, to, they're going to talk to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but the most memorable moment is probably um, flip the coin between uh, getting to go down and stand on the slime green carpet uh, chattering away with people going to see Answer the Call and or getting to sit with you and Mr. Sean Bishop and do the commentary. Do the commentary. The, yeah. We... Those, uh, yeah, you, you stole mine, so I can, I can, I can. Oh shoot! Okay, I didn't say it. No, that's totally fine because I have. Wait, I had which a one was yours? The commentary or okay? Uh, well, because I, you know, the commentary we did on the the steel book. Speaking of steel books, um, that uh, the anniversary steel book that came out last year, there was a commentary with us, which it it made me feel um, humbled and honored, and at the same time, just lucky as hell that uh, we've been talking about Ghostbusters for so long uh, that. Uh, that Sony and Ghost Corps reached out and said, you guys want to talk about it for another two hours, but print it onto this plastic disc that everybody will uh, pick up and, and keep in their collections. And it was awesome. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. That but, was, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll keep mine. I'll keep my backup. I'll talk about it at the end here. But um, yeah. So, I mean, I have a very similar story as yours. I, I well, a couple of years behind you, obviously. Uh, cause I, in 86, I want to say 87, that's about the time that I started really getting into Ghostbusters because of the cartoon, because of real mm. Ghostbusters and because of the Kenner toys. And, um, the, uh, the movie was something that my parents didn't own, you know, because it wasn't like you could just own any movie you wanted back in 1987. Uh, that was a little costly. If it didn't air on the ABC Saturday night movie and you didn't tape it off of the TV, you didn't really have uh, that many VHS tapes. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the cartoons were my entry into it. And I had as many of the Kenner toys as, as my parents would allow me to get and, uh, obviously had the role-playing toys, you know, I had my pack and my, uh, trap and, uh, my dad always speaks very fondly of coming home from work and walking up the stairs from the garage and a ghost trap would suddenly drop in front of him and I'd be like, dad, watch out behind you. And I would try to save him, you know, uh, right. and, uh, also very weird to see life, uh, mimicking or, uh, not mimicking, uh, repeating itself, uh, with my daughter doing pretty much the same thing over the holidays with my old Kenner trap and pack, which, oh God, it just breaks my heart. But anyway, um, so that was uh, that was my intro because I didn't see the movie until eighty eight, I want to say. I think it was eighty eight that ABC's uh, Sunday night movie was Ghostbusters, 
And ABC Sunday night movie. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was a big to do that it was going to be on the Sunday night movie, and I had it circled on the TV guide, and I had my uh, blank tape set up on slow play because I didn't want it to be on long play. That looked like garbage. Uh, and I was <laughs> speaking of trying to explain analog to people. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh no way! You don't do the long play. That's a fool's move. Um, so I, I knew that I had to cut out the commercials, uh, because the whole movie was not going to fit onto the two hour, uh, slow play tape. And, uh, I was, I was ready for it, man. And I got to about, <sighs> where was it? I would say just shortly after they run out of the library, after, uh, after, uh, Eleanor Twitty scares them out of the library and cleaning up the town place for the first time. when my mom told me that it was bedtime and I said, no, oh no, I gotta, I gotta stop. I gotta pause this so that the commercials don't record. And I gotta make sure that it all fits on the tape. Uh, and <laughs> you know, parents, no, that's not how it's going to be. You guys are going to go to, you're going to bed. I don't care what you're taping. The recorder will record it and you can watch it in the morning. So all night I've, I do vividly remember having anxiety like, Oh, I hope the end of the movie's on there. I got to see how the movie ends. I don't know what happens. Uh, came back from school the next day, immediately threw that tape in. And sure enough, uh, I got pretty much anything and everything except that the movie cut off right after Slimer flew toward the camera. And oh. I thought, Oh, there's more. I missed, I missed something. Uh, so, um, so long, very long story short here, cut to 1993, I want to say where we were walking through Kmart and just happened to see that the VHS tape of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters two were on sale for whatever it was, uh, t- 10, 10 bucks for both VHS tapes. And I thought, Oh, after all these years of watching, this Sunday night at the movies version. I'm going to buy this. I'm mom. Can I get this? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, go home and I watch it and it was a revelation. I had never seen the movie uncensored. I had never seen the movie without commercials. I had never seen, um, you know, uh, the, uh, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass had always been what a knockabout punch of pure joy. That was to me, it was just a weird experience seeing this movie, now also having that brain of a, you know, junior high school kid, uh, uh, and, and it, it really, it spoke to me. And so same as you, I start searching the internet and I find Bill's, uh, website and I find Mr. Stapuff's world of sounds and, uh, and there, you know, there's a few resources on there and I start, uh, talking to people on, on, uh, my dial up AOL account from the middle of nowhere, Colorado, which was, uh, I, I thought I was, I thought I was accessing something that not a lot of people had access to. And it was a lot of fun and, uh, used my one megabyte of AOL space to put together Ghostbusters HQ, which, um, for whatever reason, uh, people started coming to people started listening to, uh, what I had to say, um, which as a, this would have been 95, 96. So as an eighth grade kid from the middle of nowhere, Colorado, talking about a movie that was at that point, 12 years old, um, I I was like, Oh, I found my tribe. This is awesome. And I just kind of kept going with it, uh, all through high school and, uh, Ghostbusters HQ went through multiple iterations, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, I don't know what, which way we had our own message board, which kind of proved to be a little bit of a, a sanctuary for people that 
didn't take things too seriously, which is kind of funny now looking back on it because I keep telling everybody, hey, you should take this more seriously. Oh, everybody's, this is all a joke to you. No, no, it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta have fun with it. It's your escapism. Um, so that happened. And then in 2001, I went off to college. Uh, the website got attacked by uh, some some malware, and the server that it was on was, I don't know what was running that, like a gerbil and a, and a hamster wheel or something. Who knows what that server was being run on, and it just kind of all died, and I, I stepped away and didn't really think about it for quite some time. And then you and I had been, I, I was like, I miss writing, I miss doing stuff for Ghostbusters. Can I write uh, articles for Proton Charging? And you were gracious enough to say like, yeah, sure. Um, so I, I did that for a little bit and then, uh, the podcast idea came up and I don't, to be completely honest, I don't know why the podcast idea came up. I think it was just because there wasn't a Ghostbusters podcast Yeah, at that the, point. The boys at, because uh, Ghost Heads uh, had been gone. Uh, yeah, Ghost Heads was gone and Crossing Cross the Streams, streams was, uh, uh, was gone. And at the exact same time, they were not only gone, but they I, I think you'd agree with me too. As good as they were, neither one was ex- well. Anybody who listens used to listen to the back in the day, and then listens to this one will know that um, we had you know it, in our heads. If you know what's a, a Ghostbusters podcast as we see it, uh, it wasn't quite what they had, right? So yeah, there was yeah. kind of this this if not only to make a, a podcast because there was a, a void, but to uh, uh, do it our way, so to speak. <clears throat> I think because uh, if if anything is to be learned over the last ten minutes of me speaking without taking a breath, I'm just verbose. And you you had uh, been on Facebook and Twitter, and I was like, all right, I'm going to start up a, a Ghostbusters HQ social account just so that I can chime in and have the conversation. It kind of reminds me of Bill's board. This was before Twitter turned into the total firestorm that it is now. Um, <laughs> And I think I, I I have recollections of conversations with you where I was like, I this is fun. Like we should talk more. We should just kind yeah. of put together a little poker game and um and uh, let's just try it and see what happens because there's not that many podcasts uh, right now and there's zero Ghostbusters podcast. So let's let's do it. And sure enough, here comes the cross rip. The funny thing is, back in ninety nine. I want to say that's when we started doing the cross rip video show on Ghostbusters HQ, which was, um, I'd like to say was ahead of its time, even though it was horrible and it was just me at my desk in my stupid room back at my parents' house. Um, (laughs) uh, but sort of kind of when you look at the videos that Jason does for Ghostbusters news or, uh, you know, the, the, our friends that yes, have some, their video component to, to their podcast. It's like, that's kind of what I wanted to do back then, but the internet sucked. Like dial-up internet was terrible and your storage yeah. space was terrible and video compression was terrible. And, um, you know, I wanted to do a, a talk show that was for Ghostbusters fans. And that was a fun, but stupid idea at the time we did one episode and I think maybe five people watched it. Um, and, uh, now, you know, cut to how many years later here, almost, uh, 20 years later, and, uh, this is, we do this on a weekly basis and it's fun. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's given you and I some crazy opportunities that I still pinch myself. The, the commentary you mentioned, 
uh, being on the carpet for, for answer the call, um, all of the people that we've talked to on the, the podcast itself. Um, I, in a strange turn of events became a, a writer and I work in the movie industry. So I ended up writing the, the Ghostbusters, uh, technical manual, the Ectomobile manual that came out, uh, two years yep. ago. Um, but, but my standout memory still to this day is you and I talking to Dan Aykroyd for f- 10 minutes, 15 minutes, Fifteen we, minutes, yeah. It was our hundredth episode, and uh, we had uh, Eric Reich, who is uh, an amazing person. Uh, fans of of Ghostbusters are very lucky to have him. I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, it's our hundredth episode. I want to do something really special." And he, you know, he <laughs> in his very Eric way was like, "Okay, we'll see what we can do." And uh, we ended up going to a press day for for a VR uh, um, app that they were launching, and at the same time, we got to interview Ivan and Dan at the same time. And, uh, I've, I've met Dan Aykroyd on multiple occasions, uh, have, have been around him on multiple occasions, but that to me, you and I standing outside of ghost core talking to him for our 100th episode. And Dan said, all right, guys, what you got? And he walks over to the Ectomobile, hops up and sits on the hood. (laughs) He is the only man alive who is probably allowed to sit on that car. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, and, and I could see like you and I kind of looked at each other like, "Oh, is that okay?" I mean, okay, oh, yeah, he's Dan Aykroyd. I guess that's okay. It's probably fine. Um, and yeah, uh, John Urkaba snapped a great photo of it. That's one of my favorite photos too, because it's you and I standing with our microphones out, uh, talking to Dan Aykroyd as he sits on the hood of the Ectomobile. It was such a weird and surreal moment, but I know a uh, whole lot of fun. But um, so yeah. So that's uh, that's how my my story came to be. Ghostbusters HQ uh, still exists. Uh, I put it back online to try to, you know, because movie news has become such noise, and it's like you'll never believe uh, why Jason Reitman isn't using the original Ecto One, and then you click through to the five thousand word article, and it's just that well because we wanted to keep it a part of movie history, or we wanted to keep it on the lot, untouched and unkempt, or whatever. Uh, like movie news has become such noise that I was like, I'm gonna start Ghostbusters HQ up, and I'll write some articles, I'll do some behind the scenes stuff, and then yeah, uh, now the podcast takes up all my time, so uh, that's not <laughs> happening. But every once in a while, when the thing when the news is big enough, you tend to do a write up. Yeah, I try to do, you know, like when the Afterlife trailer came out, I did a, a breakdown and, and tried to <laughs> tried to make something substantial. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, a, a great places like Ghostbusters News, uh, Spook Central, there's a lot of great articles. I'm not saying that there's nothing substantial out there, but it was just sort of, I miss Starlog Magazine. That's what it yeah. all really boils down to is I miss Starlog and I just want that experience somehow. Um, but... Uh, so there it is. Uh, and then the cross rip was born. Uh, we have been doing this for, uh, uh, for far too many episodes. I can't even, I've, I don't have, let's see, what episode is this in my count here? I don't know. We're, we're almost 300 Five episodes in. Four something was the last one, I think, wasn't it? Uh, let's see. We have done... Because we passed our 200th episode with very little fanfare. I was like, yeah, we did 100 episodes. What are we going to... Who cares about our... Um, Let's see here. So... 
This is riveting for people listening to you and I find our... Uh, trying to figure out our, uh, our count. Well, in theory, this will be our 238th episode, if my count is correct. So, 238. Uh, there you go. It's a lot of hours of you and I talking. That's a lot of storage space on an AOL members.aol.com slash GVHQ slash podcast slash ghostbusters.html. Um, that's uh, that's 238 very rarely just an hour. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife is like, you guys kept it to an hour this week. Nice. Well done. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, well, the funny part is, is we're an hour in and we just got past I, the, uh, I know. And we haven't even talked about the news preamble startup. Totally. So if you are, uh, if you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. Uh, hopefully that gives you guys some context. If you're turning, if you, if you've been with us for all 238 episodes and you just listened to the last hour of us speaking, hopefully there was something in there that you did not know or were entertained by that's kind of what we're always going for is just keeping it riveting, keeping it engaging. And, um, it would, it would, certainly if you've heard Chris and I speak, there's not a lot of dead air. So that's no. probably a good or bad thing, depending on who's listening, de- depending on your definition of value <laughs> of content. <laughs> we, try, we try to give you your money's worth and it's all free. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Yeah, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. Hey, we're into the news. 60 minutes later. Um, so two, two things to start off with here. Uh, unfortunately some sad news and I didn't want to start with the sad news up at the very, very, very top of the show, Chris, cause I just didn't mm. want to suck, suck the air out of the room. But, um, uh, unfortunately need to report that Tim Lawrence has passed. If you missed yeah. it because it happened over the holidays, um, it, sadly, especially around the holidays when, when these types of things occur, not a lot of people know about it. So if this is the first time that you're hearing about it, I'm, I'm very sorry to report it, but, uh, Tim Lawrence, a uh, special effects artist, uh, performer, uh, all around nice guy. Uh, a lot of people have interacted with him, uh, throughout the community and, uh, have interviewed him or gotten his autograph or, uh, <laughs> or heard some of his stories, Um, just uh, very sad to hear that he died at the age of 61. Um, so he was living in Florida. Uh, his obituary that you sent over, Chris, uh, lists off his storied, um, credits. You know, he was a concept sculptor for Jurassic Park, did character designs for Shrek. He performed in Beetlejuice, the, uh, second Gremlins movie, obviously Ghostbusters one and two, Howard, the duck Starman thriller, uh, he was a mainstay of ILM and, and boss films, friend of Richard Edlund. And, uh, was also after he kind of took a backseat in the industry, uh, dealt a lot with the special effects and visual effects industries. He was a longstanding member of the screen actors guild. Um, and just super, super sad, uh, to, to be uh, talking about this, but yeah, um, um so as you're listening to this, uh, there has already been a family service. There will be a celebration of his life uh, January 25th. Um, but Chris, you were kind enough to point out that they are asking for donations. Uh, if you want to um, send something in Tim Lawrence's memory, uh, the Jacksonville Public Library Foundation for the benefit of the Willow Branch Library, which is where Tim uh, lived and 
and uh, past, he's looking for uh, donations uh, to keep keep funding that library for his his local uh, community, which is is very nice. Um, there was a great article. Was it in Sci-Fi? I'm trying to remember. You you reposted it over the holidays, and I I read it, and now I feel terrible because I can't remember the source of it. But there was a great sort of outline of all of the things that he had done. The older one from yeah. I think that was actually a local Florida paper. Like, was it a Florida paper? The Jacksonville something or other. And it was a really great article. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll repost that into our social feeds uh, just just so that you have that. Um, and it was very it was very lucky for those of us who got to uh, Fan Fest that he actually attended. So yeah, I know, I know there's a lot of people that uh, got to go talk to him and Mark Brian Wilson and all that and. Um, yeah, that was so. I mean, uh, and and Richard Edland, who very rarely makes public appearances, uh, you know, f- for stuff now because he's retired and living life by the beach uh, as he should. Um, so, uh, so for for all of you that were able to meet him, um, you know, hold on to those memories because he he was an awesome guy with a lot of fun stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I talked about Buck Henry. He's not directly related to uh, Ghostbusters, but. Uh, just before we started recording, learned that he uh, passed and obviously was a mainstay of the original Saturday Night Live crew and uh, was was very influential upon what uh, became Ghostbusters. So I think sort of the DNA of the lightning in the bottle of Ghostbusters uh, kind of owes a little bit to yes, Buck Henry. exactly. And Get Smart and all of his work with, with Mel Brooks and uh, writing The Graduate and, my God, Buck Henry did a ton, so... <laughs> Um, so yeah, two, two, uh, very sad passings, uh, at the top of the show. Um, that's, <sighs> it's never, it's never easy to segue from stuff like that into like, let's talk about QuickBooks from no. Quicken well, Loans. No, and I mean, we're going to get into the fun stuff too, but it is, <laughs> hello children, middle-aged man here. <laughs> I think it's Every once in a while, I have to gently remind you that we're all transitioning into a point in our lives where this is this is just going to happen more and more, right? Like we're just yeah. it's just yeah. the progress of time, and, and there's a lot of people. I, the thing is, we find out about this stuff on Facebook, and everybody reacts like it's like there's just sort of this overwhelming, <laughs> like the people who are like uh, pulling their hair out with grief over somebody who's like in their nineties. I'm like, that can't be the way it works. Right. Like it's, they, I don't know. I mean, but, but that said, uh, there are a few names, you know, when, when Carl Reiner, may he live forever. Uh, but you know, somebody like Carl Reiner, when he passes or Bill Murray, obviously are, are, uh, those that are near and dear to our hearts, it, it is, I get it. It's, it's very difficult to, it, to deal it with. It is very hard. Uh, but the thing is, is I kind of want, I keep saying this stuff. I, I'm not trying to be a pedant about it where it's like, eh, people are old. Are you all being stupid? I'm, I'm trying to head people in the direction of when it happens. I think more to the point, like we should be, I, I, more often than not, when somebody passes like this, I try to post stuff on f- like Facebook and social media to direct people to stuff that I'm familiar with in love that they sure. may not be familiar with in love about it. Like it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, we could be sad about it or we could celebrate what they accomplished. Cause frankly, that's, that's all anybody who passes on needs from us, right? They're yeah. gone. They don't need yeah. much, but if they've worked hard in their lives, that's the only thing left, you know, that we can give them is to remember what they did sort of thing. Right. So, 
Yeah, that's. I mean, <coughs> celebrate these people and all of the work that they that they have done, and yeah, um, I, yeah. That's that's these, the, these these are the times where if you've never seen the graduate, and I know as the years go on, more and more, you know, people behind me as they get younger and younger and all that the chances decrease that they ever see some of these old classic movies. And it's like, you kind of maybe should, right? Like, yeah. And if there's ever a good time, this is it, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a little afraid that people haven't seen the original Ghostbusters at this point. A little uh, bit, yeah. Obviously nobody so, listening to this podcast, but. Some, um, some people, like when people pass, like the thing is, is like in so-and-so's, you know, songs spike to number one after their passing sort of thing. And people are like, oh, it's so sad that they had to die. It's like, no, it's a. It's it's a good thing. Like we, yeah. what it means is, we didn't all the people who are familiar with the music or whatever or the song, we didn't run out and go buy it. Some of us did and all that. But what it means is a lot of people who no longer have their copy or have been kind of curious about it, they ran out and got a copy. Right? It's this it's this one last hurrah for their work sort uh, of thing. Yeah, it's and like, a good celebration. I, I I often remember you know when Terry Wendell passed uh, about a year ago now. I guess at less this point, unfortunately, but, it's yeah. been fairly those two together uh, but everybody goes who and then you you go yeah. oh he was responsible for the hand-drawn animation of the emperor's uh, lightning and uh you know did a lot of work on on ghostbusters that lightning and the packs and all of yeah. that stuff and the, then the transition and the thing is it's watching uh, footage of the transition of um Rick Moranis and uh, and Sigourney Weaver into terror dogs, stop motion terror dogs, no less. Like that is a that is a masterclass in old school yeah. in camera, like uh, and and you know SFX the, production. Yeah, the the visual effects uh, supervisors and artists that are working on Ghostbusters Afterlife are poring over every single frame of that, trying to replicate yeah. that same feeling uh, all these Just, years later. So and all these guys have the same stories too. Like the the the, the fine line they they had between pulling something amazing out of thin air while at the same time making mistakes work to their advantage because that's all you could do right time was tight and processes were weird so like him talking about putting in like the flashes of the skeletons as a way to mask the transition uh from humans live humans on stage gyrating yeah. to stop motion dogs. I got to like, hide the jump cut somehow. I got to hide so, it somehow. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and of course, um, you know, uh, Tim worked s- solely in, in, you know, physical, uh, you know, foam and rubber and all that. As thing, one of right? the Scolari so, brothers. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was one of those. Nunzio. I always get the two Scolari brothers. I believe confused. he's Nunzio. Yeah. Nunzio, right? Yeah. yeah. Nunzio is the big fat one. Uh, and and but that's the, those types of creature performances, you know. Shout out to uh, people like Robin Shelby, and you know they have to create these characters that look realistic. They're foam, rubber, and latex, yeah. and um, and yeah, Tim Tim was one of those. Um, but all the uh, more reason when you get a chance. And I I'm going to drop it in here so we don't have to spend too much time talking about it later. But uh, cleaning up the town had their. Um, their Prince Charles Theater screening yeah. um, just a few days past at this point, like and three that or four was days the, back. That was what they're calling the the full the definitive and complete definitive 200 version. minute, <laughs> which which and that was the only time it's been screened. Like what we saw in Calgary was the two hour and a few minutes bit, right. and that was amazing right. already. The fact that they're up, they have this 200 cut minute cut, and I'm like, oh god, please tell me that's what's going on the discs eventually because <laughs> I want to see that, but. Um, but even even not the definitive cup, uh, Tim is all over the, uh, the 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 one they released and the sure. one that will be showing up on. Uh, 
I think they announced that in the UK, streaming and video on demand will be getting it like in a couple of weeks' the time. Twenty seventh was yeah. yeah VOD, and then uh, they were talking about uh, more more screenings that are happening as more we're recording this. Yeah, um, the UK so, specifically, yeah. and they people have been asking about North America. They're hammering the deal out now, so that'll pop up somewhere pretty quick, I'm sure. Yeah, Netflix that's all up to or the Amazon Q or folks. Yeah. It's up, it's up to the people that are repping them, and I know those people are very big about getting the best deal for it. They've, they've really gone out of their way to get it all over the place. And then the last hurdle is um, they'll be, they're working with them to, to fulfill all the Kickstarter stuff. But right. the point being is that if you were always, if, if you were on the fence and I, I cannot imagine anybody listening to this podcast is going, you know, I, I don't know who I'm going to see cleaning up the town. Um, you'll want to. And, you know, for one good reason, like uh, uh, Tim and everybody, everybody who's passed before, uh, you know, passed on and all right from Harold to Michael C. Gross to Tim Lawrence, these, they, they, the Buenos managed to capture them onto film uh, <laughs> before they went. And that it just, it's, these ah, are their up. oral histories, not their boral histories. No, they're boral. They're, um, <laughs> they're amazing oral. They're am- amoral. No, that's not right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but it's, yeah, like this is, like to, not to get all wishy-washy here, but this this documentary is just an amazing testament to all these people that made this amazing thing that, I don't know. I actually, just to tie it all around, uh, over the holidays got to watch the um, the movies that made us. Which I kind of laxed on going, uh, yeah, I, I, I do a podcast. Try and I talk constantly. Like what else could – they actually really did a good job for all the movies they did, including Ghostbusters, to get a few more things in there that you know, wasn't just common knowledge sort of stuff. So I Yeah, was, and if you can get past the – because I know – I mean I, I was kind of annoyed by this sort of snarky tone. A little of, bit. Like their, their attempts at humor, you kind of go, oh, God, it's just so grating. But <laughs> yeah, th- when it's you not get to the us. end that of it – That stuff's not for us, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> – uh, but when you get to the end and you have uh, Dan and Ivan, uh, you know, at the at the firehouse and they're revisiting the locations and they're waxing nostalgic about Harold and, um, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that you only get once. You know that 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 yeah. that is, you know, that's worth the uh, the price of admission at the end. There. Now that but, you mentioned that too, I forgot that it it rang the bell that I think some of New York community pals were actually part of that. Um, yeah, the, um, the, the New York, some of the New uh, York Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters and, were part of that. Yeah, yeah. Were they actually on film? Did I miss it? Did I look away at the? Uh, I don't rem. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. I've yeah. wandered far off track. The point being is that uh, sad to see Mr. Lawrence go. Um, uh, you know, as we trek ahead, um, the statistically, it's not going to get better. Yeah, it's going to get it's going to get <laughs> so harder. So I think we'll, I think I think we need to just continue to celebrate the movie we love and the people who made it as yeah, much as totally. we can at every opportunity. And and we'll 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 call out all of their uh, their amazing accomplishments as as we go. But um, yeah, so here's here's a good transition. We can talk about Eddie sure. Murphy because I think Eddie Murphy's going to help get us uh, out of out of the sadness, uh, the valley here of of a low and into a high. Um, chances are if you're listening to this podcast you watched Eddie Murphy on uh, Saturday Night Live uh, just before the holidays unbelievable episode he knocked it out of the park hit all of the nostalgic uh, tones that you wanted it to Um, but because of that and because of Dolomite is my name he's been out doing the press circuit and was on um, the Jimmy Fallon uh, Tonight Show 
And, and finally, I think this might be one of the first or only times that he's talked about turning down Ghostbusters, um, uh, finally kind of addressed it, uh, and, and, you know, said in, in so many words that it might be the one regret that he has in his career. But at the same time he was filming Beverly Hills cop. Uh, so it wasn't like he turned it down. He was just unavailable. I think that's, that's how he phrased it. Um, but, uh, yeah, speaking of cleaning up the town, uh, they do have some, some fun anecdotes in there about the Eddie Murphy, uh, of it all. And, uh, and if I remember correctly, they have kind of like artist interpretations of what the other actors would have looked like uh, in the roles, which is kind of fun. But, um, so, so seek, seek that out. We're running long. I want to actually play the clip here because it's, it's basically what I just said. Um, and then I do want to get into the QuickBook stuff. Uh, thanks Eddie Murphy. You helped me. That was a great segue. Um, so QuickBooks over, uh, just after Christmas, right before the holiday or right before the new year, uh, because we know everybody's doing their taxes, right? You're doing your taxes, huh? Everybody's doing their taxes. At least the Americans listening to this. Hope you're doing your taxes. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, QuickBooks has, has really been, uh, trying to get you to buy their software and, they brought out Annie Potts as Janine Melnitz uh, to to do so. So a lot of these big uh, high spotlight um, ads with uh, Janine Melnitz talking about how easy the QuickBooks software is for her payroll and doing her taxes and all that jazz. This also answers, there were some photos that were going around the internet of uh, Peter Venkman's office and a lot of people were saying, oh, it's a leaked photo from uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is confirmation that the firehouse is going to be in the movie and blah, 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 blah. Again, the internet, it's a lot of noise. Uh, this is this is what this was. Uh, it is uh, ads for QuickBooks, and they're a lot of fun. They're um, four, maybe five 30-second spots, and then a few like 15-second spots, shorter ones. Um, and then a whole mess of gifts and things to use on social media. Uh, so how do you find those? Uh, do you just search for Janine Melnitz? How do those pop up? The, the QuickBook ads. The, are yeah. The QuickBook, QuickBook has, Oh, the gifts. Yeah. Uh, they're on one of the, the services is how I found them. They uh, posted one or? on Twitter. Yeah. I thought, fo- yeah, Giphy followed that through. And then, of course, they have QuickBooks has their own page on Giphy where they dump a whole bunch of stuff. They did a I thought of you because they did a line of them with uh, what's his name the uh, the sensei of uh, Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> they did a bunch with him a few months back and all that. Um, I honestly don't know what it takes to get them from there to into your your twitters, your tweeters and all that. Uh, I have not tested. Uh, yeah, hit hit Proton Charging's Twitter because that's that's where you posted all of them, and that's where I saw them. Yeah, uh, did it on the Facebook as well. It, Here, well, let, let me, me just do. If, if you want Janine Melnitz to make it rain in response to anything uh, online, uh, that's you got to go uh, seek this out and, um, and have it done. Okay, there's some. Yeah, so if you go Ghostbusters QuickBooks in that's Twitter's uh, gift search, okay, you'll get a bunch of various Ghostbusters, but I see all most of the uh, the QuickBook ones. Making Bula. <laughs> Making Bula. That's, well, so let's... Chills, let's thrills, quick. and dollar bills. You know. <laughs> Chills, thrills. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're all gold, okay? I'm just <laughs> saying that they're out there. Um, 
but I think it's actually going to be a good segue into our afterlife, uh, our quick afterlife discussion here. But this is uh, Annie Potts playing Janine Melnitz. Uh, I don't quite count answer the call because she was a receptionist at the hotel and she was not supposed to be Janine, but you could tell that they were trying to hearken back to Janine. But how did you feel? I mean, she's in the wardrobe. She's got the wig on. She's got the glasses. Uh, I, I felt like she pulled it off, man. I feel like this is, if, if this is how she's portraying Janine in uh, afterlife, I feel like we're in for a treat because this is uh, ghostbusters original 1984 ghostbusters, uh, Janine pre, uh, real ghostbusters influence, uh, ghostbusters to Janine. Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, the, the couple of things is I don't recognize the other guy in the, uh, but uh, I take the it security that he's, guard guy. He's yeah. supposed to be, uh, I think somebody was saying that he was from some other show or something like that, but I don't, I don't know him. I don't watch TV. What do I know? But the other thing I found interesting was a couple of people were, were pointing out that they're pretty sure that the, uh, the Slimer, uh, puppet was the one they put together for answer the call <laughs> that cuts that got swapped. It was yeah CGI'd out. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> in in said uh, you know uh, the Reddit uh, photo that went around the world um, where you know we saw this there was like kind of a corner like elbow of Slimer and I think that might have been the the Slimer puppet that they were using. But yeah, the the Slimer puppet uh, it's. <sighs> It works and it doesn't at the same it's, time. It works for a commercial. Anything yeah. beyond that. Let's put it this way. What I like the most is the one where it turns and runs through the wall. And even though they took them out, they didn't... Eh, how do I put this? It's like watching... It's like watching the wind blow over a pond. You can see the <laughs> ripples, but not what's causing it. So you watch the Slimer run through the wall. And I use run specifically because the bottom of the Slimer moves around like there's a couple like of legs. there's somebody running. Yeah. But your brain's sitting there going, but I don't see legs. But I do see legs because my brain is processing everything around <laughs> it that's suggesting that there are legs. That's, yeah. <laughs> but it's, Again, it's, it's a commercial. And I actually haven't seen a commercial. it on TV. I've only seen them on the internet. And too, let's so. This way, they made four commercials of various lengths and, you know, and they had a whole push behind it with like the gifts and all that sort of thing. So it's like, I, I'm not trying to tear them down, but I'm cutting them a lot of slack because, you know, that's, that's an impressive amount of stuff they put together. Um, and, and even to the point where I think a few people pointed out that, uh, Egon Spangler's last name was misspelled. Winston was missing. You know, when they show that, that screen grab of Janine's uh, computer monitor, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, uh, which, that's gone though. That, that actually and it got corrected, right? That, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I try, <laughs> I was surprised by it too, and it got replaced almost immediately. And as far as I can tell. Um, to my understanding, it, it was an ad agency error as in that was an earlier one where the, here's the thing should not have gone out with that. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point with your files, when you get notes back saying there's some, some mistakes, please correct them. You rename that file to do not use <laughs> so that no matter where it ends up in your network, n even an intern cannot misunderstand the idea of a, a file label uh, do not use. I, I, um, yeah, you say that, but at the same time, uh, you know, Sly Stallone uh, tweeted out a whole bunch of uh, TV spots that weren't finished with like watermarks and time code and stuff. <laughs> well, you know what? If, if Janine <laughs> Melnitz had done it, sure. But uh, 
yeah. but at the end of the day, that's what it was. It was it was an error that was, and a lot of people were like, uh, "No, we complained and they changed it." It's like, no, they changed it too fast. They, it was they yeah, had it was it. something that was erroneous. The, the and somebody wrong one. Figured it, it was yeah. it was the worst nightmare. God, I've been in situations like that where the you know the wrong things got out. You're like, oh my god, no. Um, and, and was remedied right away. But remedied right know, away. The the thing again because the fans are like, oh, they don't even care to spell Spangler right, but. Again, this is like that Walmart ad where Slimer's in the back of the Ecto-1, uh, you know, eating from the groceries. It's for the broader, they're trying to reintroduce Ghostbusters into the broader public's eye yep. and trying to get everybody more familiar with the the film. Yep. Uh, again, movies that made us, um, not not necessarily directly part of the marketing push, but um, is, is just another one of those steps where if it's not your cup of tea, if you don't enjoy the, the tone of it, it is kind of remember, it's, it's sparking that memory within people that might be watching that in their Netflix queue. Uh, like, Oh, I love ghostbusters. Wait, there's a new ghostbusters coming out. Wow. Um, so it's, it's all stuff for it for visibility. I like visibility is not even the right word for it, but it's just like to get people talking about ghostbusters again and to make sure that it's within the zeitgeist of our time so that, uh, it becomes, uh, something that can continues like star Wars or star Trek or one of those evergreen properties that can keep going, uh, which will certainly benefit us as a ghostbusters podcast because we'll have plenty of stuff (laughs) to talk about. Um, so two, two more quick news items. I know again, this is long because, uh, both you and I were catching up on our, our hiatus and also with that long winded introduction, but, um, the USA Today image, uh, not not much there. So for for Ghostbusters Afterlife, I, I think this is kind of the calm before the storm. You know, with February uh, Toy Fair coming right around the corner, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll start seeing the the Hasbro stuff, and I, I'm sure there will be more f- photos and announcements and press stuff, uh, which we'll we'll definitely get into in later episodes. But um, USA Today had their top 10 movies that they're looking forward to in 2020, as many people did looking back on the decade of their, their top films and, and films that they're looking forward to. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife ranking pretty highly, if I remember right, on USA Today's list. It was like number three or number four uh, behind, you know, no, no Time to Die, Top Gun, Maverick, and... I don't even remember what the last one, uh, Bill and Ted was on there. I, I mean, we're, uh, 2020 is going to be a great year for movies, but, um, with that came a new photo of McKenna Grace, um, as Phoebe in that gunner seat from the, the trailer shot, uh, just from a different angle. So you get a really good glimpse of how she's kind of d- dangling out there with her proton pack. Yeah. Uh, and, and very cool. Uh, just a, a great image. Uh, that was accompanied by a blurb from Jason Reitman who talked about that they souped up uh, two ectomobiles for use uh, on the show and and they didn't want to touch uh, a piece of cinema history by leaving the original 1984 uh, vehicle back at the Sony lot. Uh, and I think you pointed out that's that that's what I was alluding to in that clickbait article that was like, you'll never believe why Jason Reitman never used the whatever. <laughs> that was stupid. Um, <laughs> but... I say that, but I'm, I'm trying to use that as, as a touchstone to get us over to the CES stuff yes. that happened this week because like the yesterday. Ecto-1, yeah, it happened yesterday. The Ecto-1 is not sitting on the Sony lot, uh, in front of ghost core where it usually is. Uh, they, they cleaned her up, uh, did a little bit of refurbishment and sent her to Las Vegas, 
for a demonstration at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show uh, where Sony had a big, uh, you know, their, their big reveal that everybody's talking about is the PlayStation 5. Um, but for me, the, the movie uh, tech uh, geek, uh, the, their demonstration that involved the Ectomobile was, was a whole lot of fun. Um, so they were showing off and I'm trying to remember, I think it's called the Sony Atom view is their official blurb on it. But uh, this is like, it's one of those virtual set tools. Uh, you know, like if you've watched the Mandalorian or you've watched, uh, uh Favreau's version of, um, of the Lion King, uh, the virtual set is, is something it's not entirely new. Uh, but the, the applications that they're using this for are kind of cool. Um, so basically, uh, they showed off, you, uh, have these led screens that surround you. Um, you go and you, uh, photograph or you take a, a, a 360 degree reference, uh, you know, 3d, uh, laser scan of a, an environment. Um, and then if you are, uh, let's say you need to reshoot something with an actor or, uh, there's a, a dangerous stunt where you need to be in a more controlled environment or, uh, a, a wide variety of reasons you can virtually recreate the set surrounding whatever that subject is. And the camera that is shooting, it can be tracked to have like the same perspective. So think of when you're watching a 3d movie and you've got your 3d glasses on and that sort of parallax effect, when you like turn to the left, you turn to the right and it kind of looks like everything is moving with you. Um, that perspective, that like Z axis uh, shifts with the camera so that it looks like you're filming in that environment. So they showed off uh, the Ecto-1 sitting on the showroom floor uh, at CES in, in Vegas. And they put up these uh, three LED screens around it uh, that they had 3D scanned uh, Ghost Core and all of the office buildings and stuff surrounding it. Um, and then they had a, a camera on a dolly track and they circle around the Ectomobile and it looks like they're shooting it on the Sony lot, even though the car is sitting there, you know, in the middle of this giant exhibit hall. It's it's a cool technology there's a lot of, uh, again, a lot of reasons that you can use it if you need to recreate a set. Um, so is this just like the super 8K digital era version of when they rear projected the road yeah, behind yes. cars in movies? 100%. It is okay. the exact same. However, it's the super 8K version of that, but it's also computer, like it's geometrically tracked. Yeah, there's some fancy movement yeah, going so, on and all that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so on on a show that I just worked on, we were using the rear projection, but it wasn't you know a, an LED screen. Um, and so, so the 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 computer technician that's there working on whatever that rear projection is, he knows that he is tracking to the perspective of the A camera, the B camera, the C camera, whatever camera it is. And when that camera moves, the background moves too. So, you yeah. know, uh, say for example, on um, uh, uh, Star Trek, uh, if, if you're on the bridge of the Enterprise <clears throat> right. um, and you don't have the money to build out the left and the right sides of the, the bridge of the Enterprise, you can only build the back wall. You can put these screens to the left and to the right. You can CG those and you can then move the camera around and it looks like those sets are actually there. Right. Um, the, so this the, is uh, also good stuff for like, you want to insert some, you know, over the shoulder conversation shots or whatever. And rather than rebuilding everything, 
and since it's going to be blurry in the background anyways, you just sort of throw this stuff up to. Yeah. I mean, if you're so, so the, the reason that I bring it up in the Ghostbusters afterlife conversation is if you're Jason Reitman and you get into the edit room and it is now February and you wrapped production back in, you know, September, October, and, but you happen to have this 3d scan that you did of a set that you tore down or a location that will never look the same again. Right. Um, you know, say they're shooting out in the middle of, uh, the field in, in Calgary. Uh, and uh, you know what, this, this one dialogue scene or this one line of dialogue just isn't working. You can call that actor in yeah. to a soundstage anywhere in the world. Um, and, and throw this up on screen and it does two things for you. One, it stops you from having to, you know, put it through visual effects. And if you're, if it's zero hour and you don't have time for the VFX artist to, you know, composite this together. Um, but also everything just always kind of looks more natural when you can see it there on the day when you're not staring at your actor against a a white psych or a green psych. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, (laughs) So what I like, <laughs> what I like is that this takes away the, uh, Pat Oswalt was talking about when he used to do, or still does, I guess, get called in for script doctoring on animated movies for, uh, particularly <laughs> right. where the movie's locked and there's no way to go back and do stuff. They would ask them to punch things up, but it had to be stuff off camera. So he was like, I just, we'd just be writing things like we need a beat here. So somebody off screen would go, Oh no, I fired it. You know, like just <laughs> what they've done is allowed people to put that, that guy in that line back in front of the camera yeah. for an insert shot. Oh, I'm 100. I mean, but that's how every movie works now because they're, yeah. I, they're moving so fast. Everything is, is digital. Well, you say so you that, but we, we all, most of us only found out about this like yesterday. This is like, how, how long has this been in use? This is, I mean, this type of technology is relatively yeah. new, but right. you know, the, the, the concept shooting and the, yeah, that's, that's nothing new. They've always been doing, I mean, they've always had that, but this, but like I said, the, my reference to the old black and white, you know, driving scenes where they rear projected the, the road behind them sort of thing. Yeah. Is uh, that's, that is. Tried and true. That's from the thirties. Uh, yeah. you know, before the thirties. Back then um, that was their simple solution to, uh, it's very hard, very expensive to throw the car on a trailer and go drive around town and film this stuff. This seems to me to be the, uh, the, the step up, which is it is very expensive and time consuming for us to shoot this on a green screen and then ask effects to build, you know, the scene around them versus, it's just a five second shot in a line of dialogue. Yeah. We just need to, we just need to give the impression of the set in as nice as quality as we can get without having to, and like what you've described to me then sounds like, well, depending, I would say they just need the one line. That's a day's worth of shooting then, right? They just go back to their archive of the, the, the locations, load it up on the screen, get the cameras in place, tell the camera, I am five feet away from the people we're about to shoot and the screen is 25 feet behind them. And then the computer off goes, great. This is how everything will now move as you move the camera around and that's it. You're done. You shoot it. You walk away. Is that yeah, about? Yeah. That's now, do that, we know for a fact this was used on Ghostbusters Afterlife? No, no. They're just using Ghostbusters at CES as an example. CES I, I'm just, example, I'm, right? Yeah, I'm just hypothetically applying it. But, okay. You know, so the, the technology, it kind of started with, 
Lucas doing the prequels and, and James Cameron doing Avatar where he's filming his actors against a green screen and he's looking through the camera, but he's having a real like a real time live composite of his 3d environment being fed to a monitor off, you know, oh, the I wings. See. so he would run over and he would see like, Oh, okay. So geometrically you kind of look here. If you move over to the left and you get a little closer to camera, that looks better. And yeah. now they can do that seeing it, uh, live. Right. Um, yeah. but at the same time, the other thing too, is when you're shooting an actor against a green screen, it's a flat green light behind them. But you know, the, yeah. the example they showed at CES um, the lights off of the, um, the car, the, the car reflecting are the environment. Yeah. 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 And you're seeing the reflection of the, the ghost core, uh, sign in the car because it's, it's there. You're getting a real yeah. life reflection. You're not having to composite that in with the green screen. And Which stuff. is so, amazing all on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, again, the only reason we're talking about this at great lengths is because Ghostbusters was involved and because I, I love <laughs> gadgets and this kind and of stuff. because I want to understand it. Like I watched this thing a couple of times and I'm like, I don't know that I 100% wrap my brain around. I kind of get it, but I wanted to hear it from you sort of thing. So I'm glad you, yeah, it's, you laid uh, it out. It's, it's just one of those, it's another tool that's going to make movies that much better. You know, for all the people that have gone out and seen Rise of Skywalker um, and either you love it or you hate it, we're not here to talk about if you if you like it or don't like it. But it is just a, a master class. It looks beautiful. Everything is just every person doing the peak of their jobs in that movie. And um, it's just giving it's giving these people more tools to uh, to, to do their storytelling. So uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And it means that the Ecto one got cleaned up, guys. That's the other thing is they spent <laughs> money to make the Ecto look good. And yes, they yeah. shipped it out to Vegas and there's a bunch of people breathing on it and it was on a car carrier. And I know I've, I've seen all of the online arguments that it's like, ah, that it belongs in a museum, but it's a budget. And it means that they can put some money into making the car look good and, and yeah. you know, give, give, give it some, some tender loving care that it needs. So I know some uh, people were kind of, Oh, it has rust. You can see rust. I'm like, and I'm trying to think the couple times we've seen it, I don't recall must in the way of rust. I was wondering if maybe it was still sporting a little bit of the, the mocked up rust from the teaser. Uh, that's possible too. I know that cause that was all temporary, like yeah. paint that they had done on the, the teaser trailer. Um, but yeah. And, and the last time I had seen it, you know, the, the sort of, uh, blue, uh, you know, the, the sewer tubes, uh, they're off to the left of the car had been, uh, you know, cracked because of the sun uh, exposure and yeah. stuff like that. They replace those, they make those look good. Um, but it, it's again, the car is out in the sun. Uh, and a lot of people on the Sony tour are getting to, you know, uh, take their photos with it and put their hand on the hood. And, um, so it's, it, it's, it's not in a, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not in a vacuum sealed chamber somewhere where it's being preserved for all time. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's good to have some, some maintenance being done on it, but, um, so yeah, so that's CES, uh, much more to come on, on the actual Ghostbusters afterlife front. Uh, you know, obviously right before we went on hiatus, the trailer came out, the teaser poster came out. Uh, and, and I know for a fact that that was just sort of like the start of, uh, a whole lot more to come. So there'll, there'll be plenty for us to talk about and speculate about and pour over. And then, uh, come July when the movie comes out, <sighs> hold on, man. Cause it's going to be like 
three hour show after three hour show after three hour show. Uh, we'll we'll start carving out that time in our calendars now. Mm-hmm. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... The Ghostbusters! Interdimensional Crossrip! On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Well, speaking of a three-hour show, Chris, uh, we did okay. We uh, were, were, were It wasn't close. three hours. It wasn't three hours. We do have a lot of news. You, you uh, uh, put some get stuff to together, it. but we can get to that next None week. None of them it's, are it's pressing. Nothing really, yeah. Um, but I will say the one thing that is pressing is our containment unit friends, who we've mentioned on the show yes. before. Um, if you're not familiar, the containment unit is a great uh, fan group uh, based out of San Diego, I believe. Um, who they've been putting together these these great autograph opportunities, um, and yeah. their their most recent is uh, kind of a rarity, right? Uh, like last year, the last one they did. You mean? Well, the one that's coming up, right? Isn't? Oh, the... I don't think that's been locked yet. Oh, it hasn't. Okay. No. All right. Well, we won't well, mention it, it on the air. Here's until the thing: it... if you've never heard about them before, so the containment unit, go find them on Facebook. What it is is that they arrange. Uh, like I know they've gone to people. I know they've met them at conventions, sometimes not at conventions, but what they do is they make arrangements, uh, to get signatures off of people that, you know, if you don't live in LA, if you don't live in a, a, a major metropolitan area where there are conventions, or even if you do, and somebody hasn't shown up in a while and may never, what they do is they go to them and through them, you uh, there's lots of different options depending on the person so you can um, uh, just pay and have a signed like autographed photo or whatever that's great too or you can even make arrangements to ship stuff to them to be signed and then shipped back to you which yeah, of course and they take great care of it yeah, and, and make sure that everything is, is you yeah. have to pay for the the signing being done as well as the shipping and all that but again if you're sitting around going if you're me sitting around going I don't know when I'm going to get to see Frank Welker maybe I should take advantage <laughs> of this uh, but the point is is they just started the new year going who do you who would you like to see us do one with this year and uh, it sounds like they're starting to sniff around because they threw numbers out uh, Sigourney Weaver uh, which suggests to me that they've started making inquiries because the number they threw around was $150. Uh, to which a couple people said, oh, it was cheaper when I started at the convention. Point of order. This entire thing is about not being able to get to a convention. Right. Plus, right. you have to pay to get into the convention and all that and time, money. Set. And B, I remember her going to the Calgary uh, uh, Comic-Con a few years back 
when we were uh, they did an aliens reunion and I'm telling you right now her signature was not hundred and fifty dollars yeah uh, it might have been just the signature and I, this would make this on par but if you wanted your photo taken with her for example it was it was huge like it was just so again uh, if you're like Sigourney Weaver is actually a really good example for them to bring up because a I think a lot of people would love that and B she doesn't show up at conventions all yeah, that much. She's, she's a difficult autograph to get if, if you're an autograph collector. Or, you know, the other argument, too, is when they did, um, when Will uh, Deutschendorf did uh, yes. signings in uh, November, October, yeah. um, it was being done for a charitable cause, too. You know, he doesn't show up to conventions. Um, and no. Uh, you know, for good reason. I'm sure it's it's got to be difficult without his brother. Um, but was doing it for uh, you know Hank's hope for a cure and for suicide awareness and and all of those proceeds of the um, the autographs went toward that. So that's the other thing here too, where when you go yeah. to the when you go to the convention hall and you you go up to the person at their table, uh, that's that's going that's going toward them. That's that's their income. Exactly. Um, but this is, is something different. So I. Um I uh, encourage then people to go to their Facebook page and, and chime, find the it's their most recent post, chime in with who you'd like to see sort of thing. Um, a good example would be anybody who's heading to, uh, uh, just another shout out to other friends there, uh, Ectocon, uh, which is, boy, got what, like a five month countdown, just like uh, the yeah, movie. Yeah, right around is. the corner it seems, yeah. Um, uh, if you're in North America and, for example, not heading to Scotland to go to this convention, as most of us are not, uh, but Aldo Ray Estes is going to be there. There's another perfect example that where these guys might be able to work the math for one of them to go attend, do the signing with Aldo, and then bring everything back for everybody, if you follow what I'm saying. like yeah. uh, Because there's another perfect example. When the hell are you ever going to get Aldo Reyes as a autograph, right? So anyways, go, go tell them I'm telling them now think about Frank Welker for poor old me. <laughs> from poor I, Chris. Who I tried got on multiple occasions. I got, uh, I got, uh, Dave Coulier and I got, um, Maurice LaMarche to sign my, um, I got my picture taken with him and I got them to sign my, uh, now comics ghostbusters, uh, number one. So that would be a perfect example of, I would arrange to mail that copy to them they would take it to wherever Frank is uh, doing the signing with them and would sign the cover to add his name to it so that's a yeah. good example um, as a matter of fact you know what don't go and tell them because I just want them to do mine <laughs> so Troy Chris if is you can do go it. back and delete all of this that all would right, be fantastic fine. thank you I will uh, yeah, I mean, go 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 to the containment unit. Uh, I believe Facebook is the best and, and only way to reach them at this moment. But um, yeah, uh, reach out, tell them who you would like to have autographs done for, and uh, they're going to be setting some stuff up. Um, also, if Aldo Ray Estes is doing autographs, do you think he does Ghostbusters all right for everybody's autograph? Boy, that'd be nice. Or or does he do like your name all right and then signs it like? <laughs> Troy, all right. Troy, all right. Aldo, yeah. Uh, anyway, terrible joke. I'll delete that or, too. Or I like <laughs> your shirt, friend. <laughs> I like your shirt. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, but uh, all right. Well, so do you? Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, again, for those of you just tuning in, uh, I love to give uh, Chris some room here at the end of the uh, podcast for any final thoughts too. You, uh, you got anything for this week? Got a lot. Uh, I think the one I'll, I'll I'll spend my final thought coin this time. I'll spend uh, so say it's a dollar value. I'll spend a quarter of it to shake my fist uh, 
in the direction of the F have, Yes Have Some podcast, who are also recording tonight, but they will be releasing <laughs> theirs tomorrow morning. As uh, we always do. <laughs> we see you, Yes we Have Some. You know what? But, the time for peace on podcast <laughs> is over. Uh, but two, I, I'll spend the other 75 cents on just... We'll get into it. I think you and I will... This is still a point that you and I will dig into next week or in the coming weeks and all that, but I want to shout it out now is the Ghostbusters art book uh, that we kind of heard blibs and blobs about. It was kind of... And then a pre-order showed up, but it was was a placeholder cover, which is always confusing to do because at which point we go, it doesn't... Frankly, we don't care. Whatever the cover is, we're going to buy it. But it was kind of sad because what we people found out was is you cannot have it with that cover, to which they all went, no, I want it with that cover. I like that cover, yeah. Bill Conky, who does yeah, those great... He's, he's doing a, a whole line of, like, Kenner toy yeah, uh, images, too, which are great. follow us on Twitter and all, he's been doing... He's posting one a day until the new movie comes out. But he's done the cover, a really great Slimer escaping the trap on a yellow background, and it's very uh, 80s neon lights. It's, it's really great. But the point is, is there's something like 200 artists or 180 artists and 200 pieces of art or something like that, all inspired by Ghostbusters in this one big art book by... Uh, printed in blood. Do printed I have that right? Printed in blood. Yeah, it's it's a company that does. They're kind of like a smaller Mondo type outfit. They did a thing art book uh, yeah. last year, which is awesome. So they they get the ball rolling and and all that, but then they end up partnering in territories with different uh, printers, book printers, and all that to put the books out. But the point is, is that it's all out on Amazon. So wherever you live, if you go to Amazon and search for Ghostbusters art book. Uh, it'll pop up and like everything uh, book related and comic related uh, yeah if you want it to do well uh, yeah get that pre-order in. Yeah, pre- <laughs> the bigger pre-order the pre-order the, the, the higher it shows up on you know gets pushed around by the various publishers that shows up in media all that sort of thing and that in turn means more people come and buy it it just it just right. generates more hum for the thing we love before the new movie comes out oh, totally and and speaking of our friend uh, John Yerkeba has has he dropped very the, slyly yeah. confirmed that he's got a piece or two in there. So well, the, well, it came out, and I actually for about one day there was I probably got about twenty or twenty five artists on Twitter went I can finally talk about it I'm in it, and they were all putting up like like the uh, the 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 one eighth of an image you know <laughs> like I'm like that's quite obviously a tear dog's foot but we can't see the tear dog so yeah. yes yes nice nice tease a little jerks. bit of a tease yeah. Um, um, Anyways, so, I'm like throwing that out just because it is in pre-order now, so there's no reason to hold up. We'll talk about it more, but there's no reason to not tell yeah, people. Yeah, totally. Go find do it. it. And go check out. It's uh, printedinblood.com is the website. Yep. Uh, they they don't have the Ghostbuster stuff up there yet, but if you uh, stay tuned to their social channels, you can probably order from them and get uh, an incentive or something, too. Ooh, but that's true. I never thought of that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's... Uh, let's that's that's a good pre-order go. This is all sort of premeditative stuff. We want to make sure that you guys have plenty of notice. <laughs> pre-order the art book. Make sure you go to the containment unit uh, and and uh, monitor those channels. And uh, that's what we're here for is just to give you guys the heads up. Things that you need to do when you are driving and you're commuting and you're listening to us. When you get to the office, make sure to set a, a post-it note or something on your monitor at work uh, and and do these things. But. 
Um, all right. Well, uh, hope you've enjoyed our sort of reintroductory episode here this week. Uh, plenty of fun stuff coming. Yes, we are doing more Tobin's audio guides. Uh, we've had a couple of requests for those. Uh, there was actually one that was supposed to go up over the holidays and I didn't finish it, but, um, someone slept in for three weeks. Somebody decided to actually take a vacation for once. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so tons of, of, uh, that kind of stuff, interviews, uh, news, uh, Chris and I just talking about anything and everything still coming this year uh, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun we're looking forward to 2020 this is going to be a fun Ghostbusters year and I am stressing that heavily this is going to be a fun Ghostbusters year we're not going to talk about drama we're not going to talk about all the other stuff fun we're going to have fun on this here podcast and I'm looking forward to it and I hope you are too and until the next week where we do have that fun we'll see you on the other side who you going to call Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.